from Relay FM. This is Connected, episode 395. Today's episode is brought to you by Trade, Indeed, and Hover. My name is Mike Hurley, and I am alive, and I am joined by Federico Vatici. Hi, Federico. Hello. Hello, Mike. How are you? I feel terrible. Well, you are alive. I don't. That's So that's good. I have tested negative consistently for COVID. I have many COVID symptoms. I don't know what to tell anyone. You know what I mean? Maybe you just don't have it. You know, maybe you just have a cold or something. And it's just. I uh, think I just have the regular coronavirus, not the COVID 19 coronavirus, you know? Is that a thing? Well, I guess that's a thing. COVID 19 is a coronavirus. So maybe you have another coronavirus. Mm -hmm. I think like cold and flus are coronaviruses. Hmm. Really? Okay. I think so. Well, well, at the very least, that's not preventing you from being here. So that's technically a good thing. Uh, but I'm sorry, you still feel... Well, we'll see how I get by the end of the episode, because the ma- one of my biggest issues right now is I generally keep losing focus. So consider- looking at our topic list today, I'm intrigued to see how that's going to go for me, you know? Okay. It's also my, pre- my pleasure to introduce Stephen Hackett. Hello, Stephen. Hello, Federico. Hello, Mike. Hi. I don't have any COVID symptoms, so I think I'm good. I think I'm in the clear. Good for you. I don't think I've had it. Man. Uh, I mean, maybe I had it and didn't know it. I think that's true for a lot of people, but... Like you had no symptoms at all? Maybe I'll maybe I'll escape. Coronaviruses are a group of related RNA viruses. That's the beginning of the... Oh, common cold. The common cold is one. So we've all had coronavirus, just not COVID-19, maybe. Yeah, yeah not, the, not the flashy one. Severe acute respiratory syndrome... Middle East Respiratory Syndrome, Coronavirus Disease 2019, and then there's another one, which has not really got a fun name. Uh, let's do some follow-up. Uh, Federico, have you gotten your Apple Watch repaired yet? Uh, not repaired, but we received this tip by a listener of the show, Mike. Mike suggested uh, toggling the optimized battery charging setting in the battery health section of the Apple Watch inside settings. Um, de- uh, Mike mentioned um, you could see if it char- if it charges your uh, if it solves your charging issues, the watchOS uh, 8.5 update could have lost your routine. Now, the optimized battery charging is the setting that um, to reduce battery aging. Uh, basically, the Apple Watch and the iPhone has the same option. It learns from your daily charging routine, and if uh, basically it waits to finish charging your device past the 80% threshold until you need to use it. I forgot about this thing, about this option that it existed. I found that it was enabled on my watch. I'm pretty sure I keep it disabled on my iPhone because I'm really, you know, I don't trust Apple with any of these intelligent things. Um, and also, like, I, I always sell my iPhones on the next year when the battery is still at like 90, 92, 93%, and most buyers are okay with that. Um, so I disabled the toggle. I disabled the option just because I also like to be fully in control of how a thing charges. Like when I put it on the charger, I want it to be fully charged when I pick it up. And what I can tell you is that I just tested this today. I had my phone at 50% at 4 p.m. I just checked. It is now three hours later and it's at 100%. So maybe the issues have been fixed and maybe I just needed to, you know, turn it off and on again or something. I don't know. But 
uh, I mean, it used to be that it would do 50% in like 10 hours, maybe even 12, and it's starting in three. So I think I'm okay now. So strange. That is, I mean, I, I get the thinking behind the feature, especially after Apple went through the your battery degrade, so we cut down your performance <laughs> thing a few years ago. But I, like you, have it off. Uh, I, I It was on my watch. Uh, I've turned it off now, but I have it off on my phone. And really just I want to know, like, if I put my phone down, it's charging, right? And I don't know. Uh, I don't want to be caught out where, like, I need it at some point and I'm, like, waiting for it to figure out what's going to happen with the charging cycle that it's on. So I have it flipped off as well. Yeah, yeah. And I don't know why, but these these settings, I think they re-enable themselves, um, even though they're not supposed to, because I, I'm sure I had it disabled on my phone. I checked again, and it was enabled once more. So it must be one of those things that Apple quietly re-enables behind the scenes for you, because they really think it's what's best for you. But I don't want what's best for me. I want what I decide. So... Uh, I like like you just said like I want to make sure that if I need my phone at 100% that it it's not making a decision for me based on my routine also because I don't really have a routine I'm all over the place these days yeah I disabled it again and yes, uh, Kate from Discord is asking, uh, are you on the beta? Yes, I'm on the beta. Not on the watch, though. I'm on the beta on the iPhone. Uh, watch is on the stable release. Yeah, I don't ever run watch OS betas. That just seems like a, a world of hurt. I'd rather avoid. Uh, we spoke last time about trade-in mm -hmm. programs and how Apple's isn't always the best option in town. Uh, Mike, I think you we got some feedback about storage sizes and how that factors in. Yeah, I had a few people contact me and tell me, because, you know, I was saying that, like, comparing Apple's trade-in prices with third-party trading companies and how, you know, a third-party trading company, the maximum that would pay would be X, but Apple would be Y. And one of the things I was referencing is that the third-party trading companies, they pay more depending on the value of the phone. So if you have like a Pro Max with the highest storage tier, you get more money than if it was a lower storage tier. Mm -hmm. And many people wrote in to tell me, but Apple doesn't account for storage tiers, to which I say, I don't care. <laughs> they should. Like they I should. don't. If Apple will charge more for a thing and will also, I'm sure they, they, they charge more when they do put them on the refurb store too, which... Some of the devices that come into them, they either recycle them or refurbish them. Like, you know, the, they choose not to do that. I don't. I think actually it stacks more against me saying how bad a deal Apple's recycling uh, trade-in, like whatever you call it, program is, in that they just give you the prices if you had the lowest storage tier. Because that is a weird thing to me of saying like, ah, Apple, so how much... How much value is there in the highest storage tier then? Like if you don't deem worth buying it back from me at that price, why do I have to pay that price in the first place? You know, because there's quite a premium as you start going up in the storage tiers. So, yeah, sure, it is a thing, right? Apple will always only pay you for the lowest. But I think that is yet another thing that they're doing wrong when it comes to their trade-in program. If they want to be encouraging people to use that rather than other uh, means of recycling or reusing or uh, repups in their phones. Yeah, I totally agree. I think the capacity should should definitely be a, an element there. I, I would understand if every single phone that went to the trade-in program went to recycling. 
I would understand that more because mm-hmm. it's like, well, you know, it isn't, uh, there is no real difference, right? Like, it's not like the, the SSD is physically larger or smaller or whatever, right? But that isn't the case, right? They do take those phones and put them for the repo program, so. This episode of Connected is brought to you by Trade. Mike, I believe you have gone through the Trade Coffee experience. We tell us a little bit about it. Oh, I love Trade Coffee. Uh, what I love, I love two things about them. I love how fantastic and simple their quiz is. So when you uh, sign up, they ask you a bunch of really simple questions about your coffee preferences, about your flavor preferences, without making them too complicated in case it's your first time look thinking about that kind of stuff. So they break that down really easily. And then they, they send coffee to you that is going to match what you're looking for. And it comes from all of these hundreds of different roasteries around the US or with their own individual styles and all that kind of stuff. And, and I really love it. They, they do something that's really cool to connect people. Like Brad was just telling me today that like he is using Trade. And he's ended up finding a roastery that's in Atlanta that he now loves through Trade Coffee too. So like that's cool. They they do a great thing of connecting you with, with really fun and small uh, individual companies that you can get some great coffee from. Yeah. No, I love it as an owner of a small business that small businesses, small roasteries can get out there in front of a, a lot of people. Trade's coffee team taste tests thousands of coffees and they keep 450 different kinds ready to ship every day. They are confident you will be matched right the first time. And if you aren't, you can give them some feedback and an actual coffee expert will work with you to send you a brand new bag for free so you know you'll be looked after. It just takes a couple of questions to get your own personalized variety of coffees delivered fresh to you as often as you like. Uh, those freshly roasted coffee bags that are get delivered, you can get whole beans or ground, however you want it, and they guarantee you'll love your first order or they'll replace it for free. Right now, Trade is offering new subscribers a total of $30 off your first order plus free shipping when you go to drinktrade.com connected. That's more than 40 cups of coffee for free. So get started by taking their quiz at drinktrade.com slash connected and let trade find you a coffee that you love. Once more, drinktrade.com slash connected for $30 off. And don't forget, Mother's Day is coming up. A trade subscription is the perfect gift for the coffee lovers in your life. Our thanks to Trade for the support of the show and Relay FM. Uh, okay, so moving on a little bit, uh, I want to talk about the studio display. Remember when the reviews came out, some people were kind of mediocre uh, or you know not super excited the people weren't mediocre the camera's mediocre and people said it was mediocre that's what i'm trying to get at apple said there was going to be a software update to address some of the issues so th- there were image quality issues some people felt like the rate at which center stage would like change the framing of the image was kind of weird and and a little bit slow the update is now out as a beta, so the new macOS beta includes Studio Display Firmware 15.5. I wonder where they got 15.5 from. That's such a specific number. And you can install it if you're running that 12.4 um, macOS Monterey beta. Apple says it has introduced refinements for the camera tuning, including, including improved noise reduction, contrast, and framing. Uh Jason Snell's in the unique position that he has two studio displays. He has his review unit from Apple, and then he has one that he purchased. And so he has a video, an article up, where he one of them is running the new firmware and one is running the old one. And like, 
it's a little better, I guess. The framing is definitely better, but it still doesn't look, I think, as good as some people had hoped. I think there was a, just the thinking that it was just going to fix all of the possible problems, right? And just defy mm-hmm. uh, physics to do that. Like they were somehow going to put a new lens, new like camera in the thing. Yeah. Which wasn't going to happen. I mean, I think it's f- honestly, I think it's fine. Like I would, I would prefer something better, um, but I would prefer a better camera in all of Apple's. Honestly, I think every front facing camera that Apple makes could be better, even on the iPhone. Um, and there was a report that I saw last week that uh, they are going to be improving the front-facing camera again, finally putting autofocus on it on the iPhone. Wait, it doesn't have autofocus? No. <laughs> How? It's so funny. Only Samsung, I think, uh, are the only... I guess it's just a fixed focal length. Yeah. I think uh, that Samsung are the only ones that have it. I mean, And then I think the focusing is... It does have focusing, right? You can tap to focus, but it doesn't have autofocus. Uh, so like it's not doing anything to detect the focus and doing it itself. So you know, and most people do not tap to focus; uh, mm. they just take a picture. Um, but the laptop cameras aren't good enough. The iMac cameras aren't good enough, and the studio display cameras aren't good enough because they're just putting whatever they're putting in there. And I think now it's just the the not good enoughness of it is being exacerbated by the fact that they're cropping a wide angle, an ultra wide lens, right? Which I mean, everyone who's who's used the ultra wide uh, on the iPhone even knows that like only really this past year with the fourteen did the quality of that sensor get kind of get good enough to take regular photos on. You know what I mean? Which is yeah. probably why they were able to put the macro lens in because they actually could get quality out of it. But even then, you get so much noise from that lens compared to the others. So it doesn't surprise me really that the quality is is worse. I mean. I'm my studio display is on the previous um, release. I'm not going to update to a macOS beta for this. And when it does the correct, because it still doesn't do correct detection all the time of the flickering, like the refresh rate thing. It does it, but I sometimes have to open and quit apps multiple times for it to actually lock in and stop the screen from flickering. When I can get it to work right, it's fine. I mean, for Zoom calls, you know, like it's it's fine. It's fine. But I wasn't expecting anything better from them, to be honest. Uh, I'm happy that they've made it better, but, you know. Yeah, it's, I think people, I mean, I think even Apple, when they announced it, they were like, and it's going to be great for, you know, all these different things. And I think they just made certain trade-offs to support center stage, which I guess, like, is a cool feature. I mean, it's nice on the iPads, but that means that the quality overall is going to be worse. And mm. I guess we could debate or people could debate whether that was the right trade-off. I actually fall on the side that I don't think it was, but I've never also never been in a situation where like center stage like kept me from, you know, having to adjust a, a monitor or something. So I don't know. Clearly Apple likes center stage. They're into it. It's showing up in a bunch of places and they thought that, well, this is a good enough feature we're willing to, to, sacrifice some image quality for it and to your point then updates not going to like overcome the hardware they have to use to support that feature yeah i wonder if they should have waited for center stage until they could actually put a better sensor in the like an actual better camera in there mm-hmm. i like center stage though i think it's a good feature but i I know Jason's like has always been very on the 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 idea of center stage on the Mac, but I don't know. 
I, to me, I feel like it's more needed on an iPad than a Mac. Mm. Like, because the iPad like can, will sometimes be down on the desk or like it's at weird angles. Where like the Mac is always going to be short, like uh, at least a studio display, say, is always going to be some consistent level with your eye line, right? Right? Like a studio display specifically. Right. Like, laptops, maybe iMacs would be different. But if you're buying the studio display... Surely you have it at like some kind of consistent angle all the time to you as the person viewing the content. Like I don't know on this specific product how important center stage was. Like on the laptop, I see it more because the laptops move. I actually think center stage makes the most sense on products that aren't in fixed positions because that means they're more likely to be not at the right angle at any one time. I don't know. I feel like on a on a MacBook, you know, center stage is, is useful there because it's basically like an iPad. And I mean, sure, you have the like the viewing angle you can adjust with more freedom than than an iPad Pro or than an iPad in a Magic Keyboard. I don't think like I struggle to to imagine like the benefit of center stage on on an iMac or a studio display. I mean, it's nice to have. But also those kinds of computers, you know, they're stationary. They stay on a desk. And, I, you know, if you're having a video call there, I don't imagine you're constantly walking around, you know, the room where your iMac or your studio display is and the thing needs to keep you in frame, right? I mean, the iPad makes sense or a MacBook makes sense. You're keeping them in the kitchen, in the living room. You're doing things, but you also want to be in the frame. An iMac, I don't know, it just or, or a studio display, I mean, it's nice to have, but it makes more sense, like you said, Mike, for a portable device. I don't know, I think I'm just surprised that this image, honestly, to me, it looks really bad. And, and I'm just surprised that even after the update, it still looks so washed up and, and, and softened. Compared it's the softness, to, I think, that, it's that the really softness gets that me. Yeah. It really sticks out, uh, especially mm. compared to an old iMac Pro. Like... I don't know. I'm not sure if they are done in terms of fixing whatever they can fix. And sure, there's just there's only so much that physics, you know, can do here. I mean, if it's a bad camera, if it's a bad sensor, it's a bad sensor. But if you can do it, you know, if you can do a little more in software, I think they should try because it's uh, maybe there's something they can do for the softness of the image that that part really sticks out even mm. if it's a decent camera that is not great but it's not horrible maybe they can do a little something extra in in software yeah i just i just don't know if the an ultra wide is going to be able to do it because it's the light right like i think that's the the issue is the amount of light that it can let in and it seems like i mean i don't understand cameras enough but it seems like ultra wide sensors just can't let the same amount of light in as a regular wide angle sensor can do and like you can do color stuff but i think the biggest thing for me is the amount of quality coming in more than like the the, the sharpness than than the color correction stuff but i think this is also one of these issues of like everyone sees it their own way right and people just are either happy or unhappy but like even now, like we're we're all talking about like different th different ways we think the image should look different. Uh, but I think everyone can agree that like this is not a good image, and it's just funny. It's just like a funny thing, really, of like how did this even how did this happen? Like because <laughs> this really, I keep seeing this phrase a lot, like with various things recently. Unforced error. I like that. I like that phrase a lot. 
Like this feels like an unforced error from Apple, which is I guess kind of rare from them with something like this, where it's like, hey, we put this thing out and it's not good enough, and we actually can't ever get it to the place where you want it, and that's just how it's always going to be. It's funny. And and Federico, you mentioned the iMac Pro. It had such a better webcam than anything else Apple mm-hmm. had out at the time. This feels like a, a step in the the wrong direction from that. Like the iMac Pro, I think, is still the high water mark in terms of built-in cameras from Apple on a Mac or a display. And and it wasn't so great, but still, uh-huh. I mean, I guess anything compared to this image is uh-huh. better. So it really says a lot that we are celebrating the iMac Pro's webcam compared mm-hmm. to the studio display one so I, I honestly don't know what's uh what's worse here uh but yeah uh, hopefully i don't know with these things it feels it feels very bad all the time to say hey hopefully they'll fix it in software and yeah there's only so much that they can do i don't know so ryan in the discord is saying why can't they put the camera processing from the phones in the mac cameras it doesn't matter because it's not the same sensor like to my understanding, the front-facing camera on the iPhone is a better one than the one in the center stage, I believe. So, because I don't think it's the same wideness. Because that's, I think that's the biggest issue. Like, I think I saw Rene Ritchie say today um, that it's the same image processor from the iPad 9 or something. Yeah, I think that's true. Which is the same front-facing hardware as the iPhone 11. Maybe it is as good as the iPhone 11, and we've just forgotten what that one was like. Wasn't the iPhone 11 the one where we didn't like the cameras in the end? That was the 10s. No, that was the uh, 10s. Yeah. 10S. Yeah, okay. the, the Smart HDR was cranked all right. the way to Bananas Town right. on that one. The The iPhone 11 front-facing camera did not have center stage, so they, they've taken that hardware and, like, overlaid it or tweaked it somehow with center stage and i think the result is just not not up to not up to snuff which is a bummer this episode of connected is brought to you by indeed hunting down answers to your questions can be really rewarding but when it comes to hiring you don't always have as much time as you'd like to spend finding great candidates with the right skills that's why there's indeed the best hiring partner your team can get If you're hiring, you need Indeed because Indeed is the hiring partner where you can attract, interview, and hire all in one place. Indeed is the only job site where you're guaranteed to find quality applications that meet your must-have requirements or else you don't pay. Instead of spending hours on multiple job sites hoping to find candidates with the right skills, you need one powerful hiring partner that can help you do it all. Indeed partners with you on every step of the hiring process. Find great talent through time-saving tools like Indeed Instant Match, assessments, and virtual interviews. With Instant Match, as soon as you sponsor a post, you get a short list of quality candidates whose resumes on Indeed match your job description. You can invite them to apply right away, plus you only pay for quality applications that meet your must-have requirements. It's pretty incredible how easy Indeed makes it to hire great talent. According to Comscore, Indeed is the number one job site worldwide. And with Instant Match, over 90% of employers get quality candidates as soon as they sponsor their job post, according to Indeed data. 
Start hiring right now with a free $75 sponsored job credit to upgrade your job post at Indeed.com slash connected. This offer is valid through April 30th. Go to Indeed.com slash connected to claim your $75 credit before April 30th. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Our thanks to Indeed for their support of the show and Relay FM. So allow me to provide some real-time follow-up on cameras. So the studio display is a 12-megapixel ultra-wide camera with a 122-degree field of view at f2.4 aperture. Both the iPhone 13 and the iPhone 11 have a 12-megapixel sensor with f2.2 aperture. So the aperture is different, and I do not believe the front-facing camera on the iPhones is an ultra-wide sensor. I think it's a wide sensor that's cropped in a little bit. So there you go. It's the sensor maybe. Uh, something, but like the, the the lens is a different thing, and I think this is part of where the problem's lying. So, that is as much as I have for you. I'm sure many more smarter people will talk about camera things specifically. We woke up to news this morning that Apple has launched its self service repair program. This was initially announced at the end of last year, and just last week, Apple said in an environmental update that it was coming this year, and I guess here it is. Um, so there's a link in the show notes to Apple's press release, or you can go to selfservicerepair.com and order parts and tools. We'll get to that website domain here in a few minutes. Uh, it launches with 200 parts and tools for iPhones. It's the iPhone SE third generation and the iPhone 12 and 13 lines. So nothing older than that. Max with Apple Silicon parts for those are coming later. And at launch, it is uh, basically just here with Europe coming later this year. What do y'all think looking through this site about the types of parts you can order? And, and uh, you know, do you feel empowered to take on an, your own repair at some point? Man, I love Best, I love Best Buy. Bestbuy.com is what it looks like. Right? <laughs> it doesn't look like an Apple website. Well, it's not an Apple website, it turns and out. It's not an Apple website. Yeah. So this consumed my morning. Because this site is weird. It is, the manuals are on Apple's website. The warranty information is on Apple's website. Ordering parts and tools, it's on this other website. And so in looking at the website, selfservicerepair.com, it doesn't look like an Apple property. In fact, it uses like a Google font, Roboto, for its typeface. Very wow. un-Apple in terms of branding and design. To a point where a bunch of people on Twitter re- were replying to me think, saying, if I didn't know this was an Apple condoned thing, I would think it was a scam. Because like it looks fake. Like it doesn't look <laughs> or act like an Apple website would. And uh, it turns out it's run by a company called Service Parts or Tools Incorporated or Spot. So if you look at the privacy policy or the contact page or when you go to make an account, because you don't sign in with your normal Apple ID like you would. If Apple was selling these on their website, you have to create a, another account on this website to order parts. Very strange. It's all through this this spot company. Why don't they have sign up with Apple or whatever? They, uh, I don't know. Mm. They do support Apple Pay, uh, along with some other weird payment stuff that Apple would never support. But there's no sign in with Apple. It it's very strange. Uh, it turns out that Service Parts or Tools Incorporated was just founded in Pennsylvania, like in December. 
It's owned by this bigger company called Communications Test Design or CTDI. At this point, I was like full beautiful mind on this this morning. I had like tabs open. I was looking up like this company's paperwork in the state of Pennsylvania. It was wild. Very exciting day over here. CTDI, this company that is a logistics company, and they handle part of Apple's trade-in program. So if you, you know, if you're like Mike and you want the best deal for an old iPhone, you trade it into Apple. Yeah, I love I love deals. If you're in the U.S., it gets shipped to a warehouse that this company manages, and so they they handle other logistics for Apple. And Apple, for some reason, has seemed fit to let this company handle the repair and tools. Uh, purchasing rentals returns the whole thing which is fascinating to me and i don't know why they did it uh john Voorhees suggested maybe there's liability issues maybe apple just didn't want to involve their own people in it the cynical take and the one that i got on twitter over and over is that apple doesn't want doesn't really want people to do this and so by making it like a fake website that's not on apple's domain Maybe some people won't trust it and they'll just go to the store and yeah, pay I mean, Apple That's directly. the first thing I thought also. Like they must really hate this thing for this website to look so bad. My my take on it is close to that, which is just they do not want people to see these parts on their retail store. Yeah. That Apple don't want people to buy this stuff. And so they don't want to make it like that they search for iPhone and they get iPhone 13 Pro display bundle. Or like, oh, do you want two pieces of display adhesive for the iPhone 13 Pro? What (laughs) about a display cowling (laughs) comma lower? Do you want one of those? You know, like, so I think it's a combination of these things of like, also to to, to piggyback on what you two were saying, like, they don't want to deal with this. Mm -hmm. They don't want to apply like their own resources, I'm sure, to manage and maintain this and provide customer support and all that kind of stuff. Right. So they just found the company that would be able to do it for them. And this is what this company does. I mean, they pride themselves in being a leader in the rapidly growing communications, mobility, and consumer device service industry. So like they're doing remember the stuff. <laughs> remember remember when we thought Apple was gonna do a nice online sort of service repair store that was gonna look like an Apple store and they were gonna do the Apple packaging for the tools and all the instruments. Yeah, that, that was a nice fantasy that we had. Talking about fantasies. I don't know why exactly I thought in my mind that this was the beginning of a process where people could easily do these things themselves. Yeah. But let me tell you, ladies and gentlemen, it ain't. Mm-hmm. Now, technically, Stephen, of the three of us, could go to the store and be like, hey, I want to replace Mike's iPhone screen for him. It's like, great, I can go there. I can get all the stuff I need. You can go, you can get the iPhone 13 Pro display bundle, which gives you like the screen and the adhesive and like all the bits and bobs you would need. But then it's like, oh, hey, if you want to do this, you need these like 25 tools. Yeah. Right. You need a machine (laughs) to do it, like an actual machine you put your phone in. The display press, it's $216. Yeah. So you can, you can, and I will, I will say, I will say hats off to Apple that they will let you buy, right? 
the heated display <laughs> removal fixture tool, right? Like, <laughs> you can buy dangerous. it, right? Like, if you want it, like, it's yours. You can buy it. I kind of want one. You can, you can buy it. Uh, what I also, I do also like that the manuals are all really, I love that they have the manuals, right? And I think um, iFixit, we're talking about, it's like, it's great. The manuals exist now. And they're pretty uh, good. Now, let me give you the, this is the tools list from the manual, right? For the, to replace the screen on an iPhone 13 Pro Max. 6.7 inch heated display pocket, 6.7 inch repair tray, adhesive cutter, display adhesive press plate, display press, ESD safe twi tweezers, ethanol wipes, heated display removal fixture, heat resistant gloves, JCIS bit, micro sticks mm -hmm. bit, nylon mm -hmm. probe, torque driver, torque driver, torque driver, torque security bit. Mm -hmm. So that's all of the stuff that you need, right? Have you and seen sand and sand container? They sell sand? <laughs> There's, if you open the iPhone 13 Pro Max manual, in the list of tools, um, you will see on the third section, there's sand and sand container. What's the sand for? I don't know. Sand and sand clean, container. Dry and, clean, dry, untreated sand. Eight to ten cups. How to set up a workspace for battery safety. Oh, oh I know what it's for. If you puncture the battery... Yeah, the sand because uh, the lithium whatever reacts more strongly with the oxygen, and so you like you stick it in the sand, and hopefully it won't blow up your house. <sighs> Under the warning heading, which is amazing, how to handle a battery thermal event. A thermal event, aka when a battery catches on fire, <laughs> or as we call it in the business, a BTE. You know, <laughs> got a real BTE going on here. Yeah. But so anyway, going back to the tools, a lot of tools. You say, Mike, I don't want to spend all that money on all those tools. It's going to be hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds, probably thousands of dollars, considering the display press and the heated display removal fixture will come to four hundred and fifty-seven dollars in total. You can rent from Apple an iPhone 13 Pro Tool Kit for forty-nine dollars. You can have it for a week. It comes in two huge Pelican cases which include all of the stuff that you need to make to replace your own screen at home, right? So it is this huge thing that you get sent these two things, you take it back to a UPS, or send it for free, yeah. $49, and then you take it back to a UPS store and ship it back to them. It's just a cool 79 pounds of tools. Is yeah. that how much it weighs? Yeah. One case okay. weighs 43 pounds and the other weighs 36 pounds. Oh my gosh. According to Apple's, uh, or excuse me, uh, Spot's website. So this, all of this. The, the cases each have roller wheels to aid in transport. All of this is in theory to replace one screen, right? Uh -huh. Like if, if Steven's mm -hmm. replacing my screen for me. Yes. So this includes all of the machines and all of the tools and then you buy the parts, right? So you can get those two things together. So after the rebate that you get, approximately for the parts and the tools, you will pay $330 for this. Okay. To go into an Apple store at a warranty and get a screen replacement is $329. <laughs> who's who's going to do it? Okay, one, one thought. How many people are going to buy this thing and set up like in secret, like a side business fixing people's iPhones. I think that's one of the reasons parts. that you can buy the tools. I think that they're yeah. aware of that and I think they're kind of okay with that, right? Mm. Which I think mm -hmm. is why they... Because if they weren't okay with that, the tools would be rental only, right? Like those mm -hmm. big yeah. things, like the proprietary big things that they've built, you would just be able to rent those. Um, so basically, at the point where you have paid the same amount of money 
there's no point to do this because you are running the risk of not doing it correctly. And if you're doing it for the environment, right? You do because like a lot of this stuff is environment, environmental th- thinking. When you have shipped seventy nine pounds of tools backwards and yeah, forwards, that's, that's not good for the environment. You have left a bad kind of dent in the universe at that point. Yeah. So this, to me, is two things. It one, it is enabling people to be able to more easily do this stuff better, right? in the sense of what Federico was saying. Someone could buy some of these machines and they have access mm-hmm. to the parts. And they could do it. Now, I know that it's, like, it's a little slower if you were going to do it this way because you have to put in uh, like an IMEI number into each, uh, for each phone to order the parts. But you know that adds like an extra day into the process if somebody was bringing it to you to repair, right? Mm-hmm. Like, so for example, maybe you're a large company. Like say you're a construction company. And you're doing this all the time. Maybe you'd prefer to do it in-house. I don't know why you would, but maybe you would. You know, you, you would get the price down eventually because you're not going to be paying that for those $50 for the tools or whatever. I don't know. The other real reason that they're doing this is so they can say that they're doing it. So it's it's one, exactly. of, the, one of the legal things off their back. Yes. So this website, the self-repair uh, website, has the same energy of how Apple is approaching the solution for the Dutch regulators for the payments <laughs> outside of the App Store. Like, it's literally the same energy. Like, how can we design this in such a way that it sucks and yep. most people are not going to do it? But hey, technically, we did it. So, mm. hey, yay us, we complied. But you complied in the, in the ugliest possible way. I like how some of the, like, our, like I look at the nylon probe, which is a, called a black stick it's very common to use in computer repair three dollars but nine dollars to ship it (laughs) come on (laughs) now i will be i will say like i'm being very particular like i haven't looked into loads of things like you know the battery or whatever maybe it's cheaper to do a battery this way although that's probably the one you definitely shouldn't do on your own yeah the, the battery is cheaper after the the part rebate so this works similar to how it works in like auto repair so like you replace the water pump on your car there's a core charge like if you take back your old dead water pump they give you money off your purchase of a new one because that will go get refurbished and so they're doing similar things here so the battery ends up being a little bit cheaper assuming i didn't really factor in like if you need the 49 dollar big kit of tools if you do it's about the same you do you you, you do need the big the big kit of tools you need the tools because you have to be able to take it off. I didn't look at, at the complete, like every scenario, but I would imagine that most, if not all of them, it's basically the same cost to have Apple or an official Apple, you know, support partner do it as opposed to doing it yourself. And I mean, the battery is definitely more expensive because like an out of warranty battery is 69 bucks and it costs you 46 I know, after the credit to get it. And then you're paying $49 for the tool kit so and you got to pay you know when you burn your apartment down so yeah we gotta get uh, that i don't know if the toolkit includes sand oh yeah you I yeah look into that <laughs> i just want to buy some sand can i just buy the sand let's see i don't know if they sell sand i think you've got to bring your own sand there's no sand in the toolkit mm, man it's a bummer i don't see sta- sand as a standalone thing i thought federico said it was here no, it's in the manual, but you gotta bring it's it's uh, dang, I wanted apple sand. B Y O S bring your own sand. I was just about to do that joke. <laughs> this is a BYOS program. <laughs> <laughs> they have a sand container. Now where does the sand container hey, come from? Steven, I Steven, I can get you some sand. Thanks, man. 
I have, look, I have a sand guy for real. Yeah. <laughs> Just tell me what kind of sand you want, and I can get you some sand. <laughs> like the grade. He needs clean, dry, untreated sand, eight to 10 cups. Right. But do you want tropical sand, Mediterranean sand? Mm. Uh, you know, it doesn't say. Well, doesn't, just uh, just just you know, say, say the word and and I'll get you some sand. Okay, I appreciate that. Where do you get clean, dry, untreated sand? Hey, you, my guy, my guy is a, is a clean and untreated sand. You know, top quality, top shelf. You know, you got to keep it. Well, don't put it on the top shelf because you have to keep it within reach, two feet on both sides of the workspace, not above the workspace. Right, so okay. the shelf will probably be above. Can I just read this? How to handle a yes. battery thermal event? Yes. Right. This is this. I know this is going to be good. A battery thermal event is a rapid chemical chain reaction that occurs inside a battery cell. <laughs> they don't say this, but AKA fire. <laughs> the energy stored in the battery is released suddenly, which can cause outgassing and fire. Uh-huh, so an explosion. A battery. Th- <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like outgassing. <laughs> The battery thermal event can be triggered by physical damage to the battery, improper replacement or repair, or temperatures outside the battery's operating range. Act immediately if you notice any of the following signs of a battery thermal event. The lithium-ion battery or device that contains one begins to smoke or emits sparks or soot. Right, that's not good. Soot is a bad one, right? Like, whoa, that would, you don't breathe that in. (laughs) Charred, burned battery bits. The battery pouch suddenly and quickly puffs out. Ah. The lithium-ion battery or a device that contains one begins to emit hissing or popping sounds. Don't let it hiss, Steven. (laughs) Don't use water or an ABC. What's an ABC? Or carbon dioxide fire extinguisher. Oh, it's a a type of fire extinguisher. (laughs) Because I hadn't gotten far enough in the sentence, right? Like I was just like, oh, don't use water, of course. But no, don't use water or an ABC or a carbon dioxide fire extinguisher on a battery thermal event or a device that is on the going one. Could do with some punctuation somewhere in that sentence. There is none. That is the that is a very long sentence, Stephen. I don't think you mm-hmm. like that one. Water and ABC or carbon dioxide fire extinguishers won't stop the reaction. Do smother the battery or device immediately with plenty of clean, dry sand. Dump the sand all at once. Timing is critical. Okay. The faster you pour all the sand, the sooner the reaction will be contained. Who knew that sand was so good? Okay, you know yeah, what I mean? Sand is good. Okay. If if okay. your phone is on your desk and it's on fire, are you taking your time pouring the sand? Are you just like <laughs> get a get a bucket of sand and just drop it there? It's like the ice bucket challenge, but for sand on That's a fire. Right, yeah. The sand bucket challenge. <laughs> Do contact local fire authorities if further assistance is needed. Do leave the room for 30 minutes after the reaction is contained. Ventilate the area. Don't return until the area is clear of smoke. Do wait 30 minutes before touching the device. Wear the wear the heat-resistant gloves and safety glasses with side shields to remove the device from the sand. Do wipe the affected area with water first. Oh, so you can use water now. Then wipe the area with an ESD safe cleaning solution. Do dispose of the damaged battery or device, including any debris removed from the sand, according to local environmental laws and guidelines. Right, right. Okay. That is how yeah, so to handle a battery thermal keep, event. Keep sand, keep the sand on, in, in a jar or something on a shelf, mm-hmm. you know, within mm-hmm. grabbing distance. And if there's a fire, just grab it quickly. Make sure you grab the sand. Don't grab, you know, grandpa or something on the shelf. Use sand <laughs> and, and, and <laughs> drop that on the fire and then leave the house for 30 minutes and then return once the explosion has been... Cont- uh, all this honestly sounds very dangerous. Yeah. Why would people do it? 
in their homes. Like to I don't s- to spend more money. So you would spend a lot of money. So you, so let me just get this straight. So you spend a bunch of money. You spend like what three hundred and thirty dollars, and you get an eighty pound box delivered to your house. Right, and then you gotta set up this environment, which is needs to be a clean and safe environment, and you gotta have some sand nearby. You're gonna open an iPhone using those machines that look dangerous, dangerous and scary. There's a risk of a fire, and in that case, you gotta take the sand and drop it on your workspace, leave the house, and make sure that there's no. F- Honestly, just go to an Apple store. You know. I will say, scrolling through the images of how you remove the screen, it does look really fun. It looks fun, like the machinery, yeah, like it's yes. these big suction cups and like, it looked, you know, Stephen, were you going to do anything like this? I kind of wish I had a phone that needed a screen, but I don't have any broken iPhone 12 or 13s laying around. You don't have to have a broken screen to replace the screen. That's true. <laughs> this feels like fertile YouTube soil. If Yeah, like, I think it, ju- if you YouTube- don't have to sign an agreement of some kind. You mean fer- fertile... Uh, YouTube sand. Oh, here we go. Yeah, I mean, I yeah. thought about it. I'm sure that I will get beat to it, so it is what it is. Yeah. Jerry rig everything's probably already on it. Yeah, I think Quinn ordered basically one of everything. Well, doesn't he always do that? Yeah. I actually do really want to see him do it, actually. I didn't think Yeah, and Quinn. he used to repair iPhones for a living, so he knows what he's doing. I did not know that. I yeah, he was he that. was like uh, the guy at the mall who's like, hey, come in and let me fix your iPhone screen. Really? And uh, now he's a YouTuber. I don't actually know if that's true. I, I do know he used to repair phones. I don't know if it was at the mall. Are you just making this up? <laughs> no, he had a tweet right today. It's like, I used to repair phones, so I ordered a bunch of stuff. Okay. All right, all right. Cool, cool, cool. cool. Okay. I kind of hope, bra- hope he breaks one for, for the entertainment, you know? I mean, that's going to be fun. I hope he doesn't have a BTE, though. No, I don't want a BTE for him. <laughs> no, it's no dangerous. BTE. No BTE, but just uh, like casually break one without harm. That'd be fun. It'd be like, oh, shucks, I've broken one. You know. I think the weirdest thing you can buy on this website, uh, I don't know what you would do to be in a situation where you need to replace this, but you can buy an iPhone SIM tray for like $7. Hmm, that's a pretty good deal. What is it? Like, What are you doing <laughs> to a SIM tray that you need to replace it? Do you need a toolkit? There's a Ford, oh my gosh, there's a $4 SIM eject tool. Like the little paperclip looking thing. How much? You could look four dollars. This could be a, an accent piece. You can buy them for the different colors. Oh, I could. So you could buy a red SIM tray and put it in your iPhone. I could. I didn't think about that. For for the fashion. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. Or you could buy, let's see, iPhone 13 Pro Max. Um we could buy a camera and stick it in the camera. studio display. <laughs> It's going to look better. <laughs> Bottom speaker. What's what's a camera? How do you pronounce this? Cowling? Cowling. Yeah. Cowl- yeah, Cowling. I don't know what that is. I saw that, that word earlier. Cowling. Cow- Stephen, surely when they put the Macs on here, there's going to be stuff you're going to want though, right? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try. To, I know what I should do. I should try to build a Mac out of parts I can buy on this website. Whoa. <laughs> How far can I get building a MacBook Air? Well, I don't think you can buy. Can't buy the logic board. Well, no, you, I don't think you can buy the like the housing of the iPhone. Yeah, can you? You can't buy the back plate. Yeah, well, you can buy the A15, for example. You know, like you can buy the the, the core itself. Yeah. I think. Yeah, you can get a new Taptic engine. Yeah, Who, whose Taptic engines are dying? <laughs> How would you know? What it, mm, could you get? Like, 
no, it's not going to work, is it? Like, I was thinking, like, what get, do you want? get the logic board of an old iPhone, but use modern accessories with it. But it's not going to, like, the camera is not going to be and recognized. It's not yeah, going to fit. And it's not going to work. Yeah. iPhone 13 Pro. Yeah, I'm intrigued to see what the, what the Mac one of these looks like, too. Me, too. And what will you be able to buy? Like, for example, like, imagine a future where they have a MacBook Air with a white keyboard. Could you, would you be able to put the white keyboard in a different computer or that something? That would be cool. You know? Mm-hmm. So yeah, self-service repair. It's here. You probably shouldn't take advantage of it. And maybe Apple's okay with that. Oh, they definitely are. Can you buy send oh, online? Yeah. I mean, sure you can, but not a lot, a little bit. I think it's got to be a lot. Buying and selling send. And it's got to be... Bulk send. Clean, dry, Amazon. untreated send. You can, uh, you can buy send on Amazon. Yeah. Did you buy it by the grain? <laughs> there's like you can. Uh, okay, so you, there's kinetic sand, but that's like for kids. Yeah, that like sticks to itself. You probably, that actually may be worse for a, a battery thermal <laughs> that's, event. That's gonna catch fire for sure. Uh-huh. Also because it's colored and there's like chemicals in it. So one right. gallon cool. play sand, highest quality, building and molding, sandbox and play areas, twenty five dollars. Probably not play box. Like sand or sandbox sand is probably not what you're looking for. Natural decorative sand, two pounds. Real sand for using crafts, decor, vase filler, and more. This episode of Connected is made possible by Hover, one of Relay FM's longest running sponsors. When you have that one big idea, where do you go? Well, your business starts with a domain name. So for many entrepreneurs, Hover is that first big leap. Hover has over 300 domain name extensions to choose from. No matter what you want to build, there's a domain name waiting for it. They have excellent technical support to answer any questions you may have. If you're like a lot of us and you just like look at things like MX records and get worried, uh, they can help you through all that stuff because they're dedicated to getting you online, not upselling you with things you don't need. Hover has free who is privacy so the bad guys don't get your information. Clean UX and UI is built into everything Hover does. It all looks and works really great. And they have monthly sales on popular top-level domains. It's easy to see why Hover is the popular choice for people starting businesses. All of my domains are at Hover, uh, domains that I use every day for websites I own, a bunch of domains that forward other places. They have these great forwarding tools. So you can say, I want to buy you know, uh, MacintoshStories.net and send it somewhere else. Easy to do with Hover. You like intuitive user experiences and things that just work straight out of the box, so I know you're going to appreciate Hover. Their UX and UI really is simple, clean, and easy to navigate. Buy your domain and start using it today. Go to hover.com connected and get a 10% discount on all new purchases. That URL one more time, hover.com connected. Make a name for yourself with Hover. Our thanks to Hover for the support of the show and Relay FM. He did it. He just, he went and did it, guys. Yes. Mike bought some sand. <laughs> no? I'm happy to announce I have bought 46 billion uh, grains of sand. Well, it's probably not a lot. It's probably, uh, how many? Okay, I don't want to think about that. That's too deep. Uh, so we're talking about, we're talking about this, okay? Um, so Elon Musk has bought Twitter, right? That's the news. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, he's entered an agreement to buy Twitter, technically. It's not done right. until the fall. Okay. There's still hope. How do 
how do we approach talking about this? Not well. Right. Mm-hmm. Okay. So I feel like, at the best of my abilities, I'm going to share how I feel, which is I used to be very fascinated by Elon Musk's figure. To an extent, I still am for some things, but especially over the past couple of years, the kind of character he's played on social media and the things he has said has made my respect for the guy go really, really, really down. Starting with, you know, some things he said at the beginning of the pandemic, you know, just the general attitude he has on social media. And I'm I'm conflicted, right? I'm conflicted because on the one hand, I look at SpaceX and I'm like, that's super cool. And I, you know, I like the th- like the big vision thinking behind many of the things that SpaceX is doing, and uh, and I think we're all in agreement that you know doing space stuff is neat and cool. Uh, <laughs> I have weird feelings about space that that I tell Stephen a lot. Exactly, but there's also the angle of well, but it's a private space company. Is that really necessary right now? Where when we have so many, like I don't know. I feel very well com- in America. It does seem like only private space companies are, are are able to get anything done. Like I don't know about worldwide, but it, you know, this is what liftoff taught me. Like I don't know. Uh, I I that- am very uh, I'm very conflicted, and uh, uh, I would say though I would summarize it as. I don't consider myself a, a fan of the guy. I don't like the guy. And I know that, you know, he has a legion of fans on Twitter ready to attack you if you say this publicly. So it kind of sucks that he bought Twitter. Yeah. yeah. I mean, his successes in making electrified cars cool and his success, in, and he really has revolutionized the low earth orbit like a launch industry through spacex uh those are both amazing feats and of course he hasn't done them single-handedly and in spacex's case he doesn't even run the company day to day glenn shotwell does Mm -hmm. and she does an amazing job at it i would argue that tesla would be a better company if he wasn't directly at the head of it and was more kind of the the engineering inspiration like he is at SpaceX, but maybe this is leading to and that. it may be. And I had that thought I was like, maybe this is going to be really good for Tesla, but the, <laughs> uh, but you can't like everyone is complicated. It's very hard to separate people's work from what they say and all those things. But yeah. the, it can be true that he's done amazing things in his career and that he's a bit problematic on Twitter and some of his views uh, especially around free speech and moderation seem honestly just really mm-hmm. like poorly informed. Like, I don't think he nope. has any idea what he's getting ready to get into if he is involved with Twitter day to day. And he may not be. He may just buy it and let someone else run it. Um, but I don't think he understands the complexity of the the moderation problem. I mean, he did this TED interview a lot of people have talked about. It was really bad. It's like, oh, well, the, the algorithm is going to fix everything. We're going to make it open source. Like, that doesn't actually do anything. Like, you cannot, A, you cannot look at that sort of code and anyone understand what it's doing. But B, moderation involves 
actual people making decisions based on policies. Yep. And we can debate those policies and those people's decisions, but this is not a problem that he can like apply AI to and it be fixed. And it's that that really worries me that I don't think he, according to his comments and what he said, I mean, you don't know what's going on behind the scenes, but it seems like to me, he just has a really simplified model of what's wrong with Twitter and how it could be fixed that I think is just going to fall apart when it hits the real world. Like that thing about we're going to open source the algorithm and that's going to make it all better. Like it just doesn't resonate with me because sure, you can open source whatever you want and sure, you can have people take a look at how certain posts are promoted in the timeline and how the algorithm works. But at the end of the day, if I get harassed on Twitter, if I get doxxed on Twitter, if I get attacked by hundreds of anonymous people on Twitter, that, you know, knowing that, hey, but at least the algorithm is open source behind the scenes. Like, that's not going to fix anything, mm -mm. you know? it's it's it, mm. Maybe it's even going to make it worse because you're going to give people with malicious intents even more knowledge on how to play the algorithm to their, you know, in their favor. If anything, that could make it better. That could make it worse, right? For people who feel unsafe online. Um, so th th this whole idea of we need to run a social media company on the premise of free speech, the problem is that, you know, free speech is often used as an excuse, you know, from this right-wing, right you know, leaning folks or just in general even if you set the politics aside is used as an excuse from people who want to say whatever they want to say online and that's the thing you can't and there's laws not just in the united states in europe in italy specifically to me there's laws that prevent you from saying certain things to certain people yeah and and that's the that's the thing my freedom ends where yours begins, right? As the expression goes. I cannot just come out and say the worst possible things to you. There have to be repercussions because that's how we live in, an, in a civil society. And that's also just the basic human decency, an idea of respect for the other. And so when free speech is used, is, is you know, brandished as an excuse to allow a certain group of people to harass other people and to make them feel small and to make them feel, you know, uh, bad and to make them feel marginalized. That's not free speech. That's just abuse. And it's not right, you know. And so using this expression of free speech as this sort of trick to get people in the door and say, look, I'm going to do great things for you because I'm going to value free speech. I'm going to let you, you know, social media so far as, you know, kept your mouth shut because they wanted to silence you. They wanted to censor you. I'm going to be the savior of social media for free speech. You're saying that? I'm hearing other things. I'm hearing... I don't care about moderation. I'm going to let everybody say whatever they want to say to other people because that's free speech. And the consequences of that will be horrible. Yeah, especially for people who are already already experiencing that in other places in life, right? Yep. Um, you know, mm -hmm. there's this term that gets thrown around with Twitter that it's a, it's like the town square. You know, it's it's the the community market where we can all go and share ideas. The reality is that just like the real world, life on the internet, like it reflects those injustices and those biases people already have. 
first thing in a lot of people's mind, we're talking about it in Discord right now, is those communities, they, they are protected by moderation policy. It's not perfect. There's a lot more work that needs to be done in those areas. But if, if your stance is going to be, we're going to get rid of a lot of that stuff, those communities are the ones that will suffer first, right? It's not the rich white mm-hmm. guys like Elon Musk. It's just not. And that's really what I mean by like, he seems to lack like the, the, like there's a humanity side to Twitter that's not present in the other problems Elon Musk is taking on. And I think that he just doesn't have a grasp on that. Yeah, I think in the effort of attempted completion, completeness, I think he did say at one point, like to follow up to be like, to follow free speech within the law. But like, it kind of felt like it was just a thing he was saying because people were upset at him. Uh, yeah, well, and, and even that he said in the law of whatever country we're operating in. So like, yeah, which is like incredibly, complicated. incredibly complicated. Like, yeah. And yeah, it's like, good luck. All of the, com- all of the countries simultaneously. Yeah. So no one can actually say anything. <laughs> like everything just cancels each other out until we get to a point where like. Well, no and, and does it mean that people in one country can reply in a certain way and not another country? Like Twitter's already dealing with this, right? And you have the complication that uh, Musk's company Tesla is huge in China. They just opened a really big manufacturing site there. He sell, He does a lot of business there. And I think Twitter's actually banned in china currently or they left i don't know what direction that change came from but it's all going to be so much more complicated for him and for the company and i just like and i've thought about it all week like i don't know what he gets out of it like i don't like i don't understand why he's willing to take all of this on is it that he doesn't really have a grasp on it? Is it that he thinks it's undervalued and misled? Which it has been. Twitter has always been mismanaged from the very beginning. Mm -hmm. They had, you know, kind of like a musical chairs of co-founders and CEOs. And uh, it's been, it's just been a mess from the very beginning. Maybe he can bring some stability to that. And I think for at least people who work at Twitter, some stability would be good. But Mm -hmm. like, I don't know what the, I don't know what the long-term play is here. If he does, or new management, whoever, it's not just him. I'm using him as a stand-in. If new Twitter leadership comes in and they sort of embrace some of these ideas about free speech and other things and they dismantle some of the moderation or they they have to deal with all these international laws, like there's a real chance that it makes Twitter even worse than it is. And like Twitter's already not good. Like I know we're on it. I know the Apple community, Twitter is the the hangout area it's not true for a lot of communities like twitter is tech people and journalists and sports people and their user base is small beyond those areas and even in those areas there's lots of problems and so i just i don't know what he gets i I don't know why he did it other than power it being a meme at the beginning like i just don't i don't understand it really blows my mind it's power and influence like Twitter is so. I'm not saying things that other that smarter people. I'm saying things I've heard smarter people say. Like Twitter has such an outsized influence in the world compared to, as you said, Stephen, its user base compared to say Facebook yeah. or whatever. You know, like when people aren't talking about like oh Kim Kardashian's Facebook post as much as that mm-hmm. maybe Instagram, but as much as they are like 
look at, you know, like news is made by tweets. People tweet things, it gets on the news, right? Yeah, watch any 24-hour news service. Potentially, we can thank Donald Trump for that, right? Like, you know, like it was, it's been going this way for a while, but like Trump made that like all politics happens on Twitter, right? Like this is just a thing that people do all the time. And so considering how important to society this service is, the fact that it doesn't make money is mad. Mm-hmm doesn't make any sense, right? It sh- they should be able to find a way to make money, but they have not been able to find a reliable way to make money. So from a business perspective, if you think you have a good way to do it, you could do it. If it was me, if I bought Twitter, I would just charge people for it. Like it would cost 10 bucks a year. Yeah. And they would probably make more money than they're already mm-hmm. making, right? It's just like easy. It's a small amount of money, right? $10 a year to use the service that you use every day. Yeah. And... Honestly, I think if you did that, it would cover a lot of the problems anyway. Uh, so they're just like $10 a year. Get rid of the, of the people and the trolls and, you know, the, the folks who... Re- yeah, get rid yeah. of the bots. And I was like, that's what I would do. Come in $10 a year, no ads. And if you don't pay, you can't use it. Like, that's the way I would do it, right? Like, everyone's going to have their own feeling about that. I'm sure I'm going to get a million people tell me why all these people... Could, uh, fine, but that's what I would do, right? Like, if I was buying Twitter, that's what I would do. I would make people pay for it. Maybe he wants to do that. Maybe he doesn't. I will say, like, just my read on the situation, I think at the moment he's just saying a bunch of buzzwords. Like, he doesn't know if he can do all of these things, and I'm not sure if he even wants to do all the things that he's talking about wanting to do. Like, does he really care about getting rid of all the bots? Probably Probably not. not. Right? Like, he's just saying... I think at the moment he's just saying a bunch of stuff, and then when he actually takes control of the company, he'll realize what he's able to do or what the person he puts in charge is able to he do. He realize, well, I don't really want to work here. I'm just going to put someone in charge and they'll figure it out. And- yeah, I don't think he's going to become the CEO of Twitter. It's beneath him, honestly, like con- compared to being the CEO of Tesla. Becoming the CEO of Twitter is he'd be demoting himself, right? Like t- Tesla is a more valuable, more important in the grand scheme of things company. I think, than Twitter, right? Like, I know I said this outsized influence thing, blah, 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 blah. But like, you know, if he bought Facebook, becoming CEO of Facebook is more important than being CEO of Tesla, like in my opinion, right? Like if you're ranking all these things. Like I could actually make an argument that maybe it'd be more important to be CEO of SpaceX than Twitter. Like you're just thinking about like your potential impact, right? Like, but clearly Tesla, did I say Twitter? I meant Tesla, but SpaceX than Tesla. But Tesla is just, I think, you know, for whatever reason, he sees that as the thing that he wants to to be involved in on a day to day. So, like, I just reckon, and also, like, I understand, like, trust me, right? Like, I am not going to be affected by any moderation policy, right? Yeah. We, none of us are. No. None of us are, Mm-mm. right? There are people that are affected by moderation policy changes. So, please do not take this as me diminishing your opinion. I don't think they're going to be able to get away with changes to the moderation policy. One, I don't think that they would, that like people working at Twitter on mass would want to do it. And two, legally, they're not going to be able to do this because there is just more and more push from governments all over the world about this kind of stuff. And I just cannot imagine a world in which they're like, no moderation policy, we're off to the races. Like, I just can't see it happening. Like, it doesn't seem like you would still be able to hold the same level of social importance if you got rid of that, let alone the fact that I just think from a legal perspective, it would just be too complicated to do. Plus, winding all that stuff back just seems like more hassle than it's worth, right? Like, what would be the reason to buy Twitter and then just be like, do whatever you want? 
Like, I, I just don't think that that's his reason for doing it. I genuinely think for him, it's just like a case of like, he wants to uh, have this big power on the world, right? It's like, I think we were talking about this before we went live today. Like, why did Jeff Bezos buy a newspaper? Like, why did Steve Ballmer buy a sports team? It's the prestige of it. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Why did I buy a bunch of sand on Amazon? It's the prestige of it. You know? <laughs> Same answer. Will we be using Twitter in a year? That's a that's a fun thing to think about. Uh, it's also very strange because I feel like I owe so much to Twitter, you know, as a, as a network. Uh, so, so many connections. I mean, you guys, you know, uh, uh, very likely discovered you both via Twitter. And we've made so many connections over the years. And, you know, uh, uh, Twitter is an essential tool for our audience, you know, whether it's a podcast or a website, it's where people can get the fastest updates from us. And so it's weird to think about a potential Twitter free future in case things go a certain direction with it. So I honestly feel pretty concerned because like I I love and I realize this is my biased perspective, but I love what I've been able to do professionally, you know, for work purposes on Twitter. I dislike and I cannot even begin to imagine what it's like for other people that are not like me. I dislike what it's become from a personal perspective. You know? So it's been a very useful work tool, but there's also the problem of, you know, moderation, harassment, you know, having moderation policies that are constantly updated and maintained and looked after and coming in and saying, you know, free speech this and free speech that, it's, it only makes me more concerned. So it's hard to stay optimistic, I guess, would be my conclusion. Yeah. Yeah, I feel the same way. And in a world where there are so many other things going on trying to quiet the voices of people who are dealing with all sorts of other things, like, uh, I'm sure, it, I mean, it's scary. It's scary to consider what social media platforms would look like if uh, they go down this road of lifting moderation or following in the st footsteps of some like state governments here, like saying teachers can and can't talk about certain things. Like it's, it's a very scary time in a lot of the world and seeing those influences on something like Twitter or, you know, a much bigger platform like Facebook or Instagram, like it, it is scary and it is sad. Mm -hmm. and I think that's like my overall feeling about this is is a feeling of sadness, uh, not only at the possible future, but of the damage that has already been done because of because of users on Twitter who are terrible people. I think ultimately social media was a bad thing for the world. Yeah, I think so, too. Like we've had great things. Like lots of people can talk about great things that have happened in their lives because of it. Right. Um but the I think the net result is is to society more net more negative than it is positive. Yeah, and I feel like that's what I keep thinking about and feeling in this new cycle of of Elon buying Twitter is just a reminder of that and a reminder of kind of how fragile 
it all is. Like even with the moderation that is uh, is on Twitter, like Twitter does have um, in their moderation policies rules around misgendering people, but that rule's broken all the time. Mm-hmm. Twitter's ability to handle user reports when tweets get flagged seems bad at best and negligent, uh, possibly even. Mm-hmm. To imagine like how bad it is right now and if that were to get worse just is very dark. And I don't like it because I, like Federico, owe a lot to the network and the, the contacts I've made on it. And for my career or my profession, it is an important way in which I communicate with people. But at some point, Elon Musk or no, that was always going to change, right? Like, yeah, I've always, uh, or not always, but in the last several years, since 2016 or so, I've always felt like there's an end game for Twitter that's bad. And, you know, this may accelerate it, and it may not. Like, I mean, it, it may not. I mean, we just don't know. And I think that's kind of the point. I mean, it's no coincidence. It's no coincidence to your point, Stephen, that over the past few years we've, you know, we've been growing our own private communities. I don't think I don't think these things are unrelated. You know, it's it's not a coincidence that more and more folks are doing their own Discord servers, where it's a it's a it's a smaller, more contained space where you can apply your own moderation policies and where you can make people feel welcome in a safe environment and all that. It's not a coincidence, I don't think. And so, yeah, honestly, I'm just sad. I'm sad and concerned and. Usually, I tend to be a pretty optimistic person, I think. And I really would like to be regarding this news as well. I don't know. And there's also, you know, the I, I don't share the enthusiasm of, you know, the, the richest white man in the world. You know, he's got that evil billionaire aura around him. You know, I don't know. It's just... You know, do we really want the richest man in the world to also control a, you know, a, a communication platform? That seems like potentially a bad idea. You know, uh, I don't know. I don't know. And and look, I mean, I want to like wrap this up by saying our point of view on this. While we try our very best to listen and understand everybody, our point of view is limited by who we are, and just like everyone else's, is, everyone has that, and. Uh, I hope that the three of us and our respective companies and projects reflect a desire to be uh, good listeners yeah. to to those who have different backgrounds from us because we all need that. And, and that is like, that's the beauty of what social media can be, right? Like there are people in my life who, I, I, I mean, including the two of you, but also people who don't look like the three of us, don't sound like the three of us who I've met because of social media, right? I have been educated and humbled by things that I have seen and heard people talk about on social media that make me a better, more empathetic person. Mm. And that is the good that the social media networks can bring. That's a good point. That there, there are points of view that I never would have considered yeah. if it wasn't for the people that I follow on Twitter. Like whole worldviews that I never would have been able to understand. Mm-hmm. And, and with that connection, right, brings all of those good things, right? But it also brings 
the possibility possibility of all the bad things and the goal and the 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 reason for moderation the reason we have rules in our member discord is to strike the balance between those two things unfortunately these big social media companies twitter right there in 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 it they haven't found that they haven't they haven't built the balance in the right place and that's really at the heart of the concern is that with all this connecting of people and ideas can you foster a community that makes everyone at the end of the day better human beings for it or do you let hateful small people rule and twitter and facebook and you know uh, reddit and myspace before them like they've all struggled with this and when you see someone or any change coming to those social networks, you just have to question what happens to that balance. And I think for me, like, that's why this feels so heavy. It's not that, oh, I just like love hanging out with my friends on Twitter and like, that's fine. And I would be sad if that went away. But the bigger picture, I think, is what is is eating at so many of us of finding a way to keep the good and to nourish the good and keep the bad at bay and I'm just not con- I'm not convinced Twitter's ever done a good job of that. I mean, their outgoing leadership is a joke, but so is the new guy. And that just gives me pause. Maybe it's just a cursed company, you know? That's also a theory. It's the curse of audio. It is. So you're saying that ultimately all the problems come down to podcasts? Podcasts. Mm. Yeah. Mm-mm. That is what I'm saying. Yeah. I don't love that. <laughs> no, 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 no. It's fine. It's fine. Right? All the good things, all the bad things. All comes back to podcasts. I mean, did you see the Joe Rogan's audience has increased? Yeah. Yeah. Not surprised. Not surprised, really. So you know what I'm saying? All the bad things, right? All yeah. And, and all that's, the bad things. At the risk of getting back on the soapbox just for a second. No, I get it, man. Get on it. I, I just made that soapbox bigger. and Yeah, it's sand. full of sand, actually. It's a sandbox. Sandbox. <laughs> <laughs> I'm in the sandbox. Batteries are buried everywhere. <laughs> the, the, you know, the thing that's been floating around of like, I will leave Twitter when X and Y, and we all have our own red lines there. I think maybe a lot of us even have the same exact red line. But the thing with like Joe Rogan's audience being bigger because of the, the, the mm, spicy rhetoric around the things that he says that's a very real thing on the internet, right? It's it's a very real thing in real life. Like when you pass a car crash, you turn around to look at it, right? We all have that sort of Mm-mm. brokenness inside of us. And like that's a decision everyone has to make, right? About if they stay or don't stay on any one social network. Like a decision that I've made that is inherently and fundamentally at odds with itself is I'm not on Facebook, but I am on Instagram, right? Like all that money flows to the same people. It's all the same... At the end of the day, the same company, but the products are different, and I choose to interact with one product and not the other. Mm-hmm. Everyone listening, the three of us, everyone on Twitter is going to have to make that decision. But I would say that a factor in that decision should should it should not only be like what does Twitter do? There's like the red line that I can't I can't cross with them. But I, I do think that there is something to the idea that like if if everyone who like cares about the things that we care about in terms of listening to people who have different points of view and background, uh, people from different places, people from different walks of life, uh, people with different identities than, than our own. If I left Twitter, I would lose access to some of that. Mm. 
as someone who hopefully is bringing more good than bad to the platform, if I leave, it's a little bit of good that goes with me, right? If we all leave, it's a little bit of like good people who really care about each other. And that makes the platform worse a little bit. So like, I'm not casually closing my Twitter account. I actually take that decision like really seriously and not even from a, like a, not even from a career standpoint, which is like a whole different debate, but just like as a human being, do I make this place better or worse? And does it make me better or worse? I just think that's a really complicated decision and one that like, it's easy to joke about because a bunch of people are like, I'm going to leave. And that's fine. Like if you feel that way, I'm not saying you shouldn't, but I think it's actually like a really big decision to consider if and when someone does that. So I don't have a red line, right? There isn't like a single thing Mm -hmm. that could happen that I can imagine that's like well that like now we've done it you know like now i'm gonna delete my account for me it is the feeling of if everybody who's not like me is leaving Hmm. then i'm like ah now now's the time right For, for what you were saying right of like i use twitter as a tool to broaden my worldview And I know the changes that it's had on me, the things I understand, the things I have view of that I didn't before. Mm -hmm. And if all of these people, people that don't look and come from the same background as me, all decide that like now's the time to go, like this is too much, then then I need to look at it and be like, yeah, okay. Right. Like there isn't like a thing, right? I could imagine for a lot of people, right? Like I would just say what's not being said. If Donald Trump comes back to the platform, right? I imagine that that is a line where a lot of people say, well, screw this. But what I would say is I was there the whole time he was there the first time. Hmm. So that isn't the thing for me. That was before he tried to start a civil war, but... Right, but he did so many bad things. Yeah, like, well. this is... The, Twitter only got rid of him because they could then. Like, he he was at one point trying to stir up a nuclear war with North Korea. Yeah, that was also... Yeah. On Twitter, right? Like, he did so many bad things, that, but they couldn't get rid of him, right? And and I And I was like, you know... I was there the whole time when he was there, right? And so, but I'm not saying like if if he if that's your red line, good, have it, right? Like, and and if it happens, stand by it. But for me, it's like there isn't. I don't see there being this like one event, right? Like I don't have in my mind this one event. It's like a a thing that if I notice over time has changed, or like there is something that happens, whatever it might be, and then there is this like knock on effect of everybody saying. I'm out yeah. of here, right? And it's, again, these people that don't come from my world, then I'd be like, right, I don't want to be the only, like, I don't want to be standing in here and looking around and everyone's just like me because that's suggesting that this maybe isn't the right place anymore. Right. You know yeah. what I mean? So, like, I was like, here isn't this, like, I think for a lot of people, they do have that one thing. And I'm not saying you shouldn't. Like, that is, like, a perfectly valid thing. I'm just saying for me personally, I don't really have that one thing. Like, it has to be a change, because if, if like if if Trump comes back and then everyone stays on Twitter to complain about it, right? Like, and then they're going to stay on Twitter to complain. Like, then it was it that bad thing, you know? Mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't know, right? This is so complicated. This is always the problem talking about this stuff on a podcast. I'm sure there's people going shaking their head and being like, "Mike, I can't believe you're saying these things." Just understand that I'm a human being and I'm just talking. Yeah, right? and we're trying to approach this, I think, with as much humility and thoughtfulness as we can. But it is really 
really complicated. And because Twitter's the, I mean, it's like, again, like I said, it's like the meeting place for our sort of Apple nerdy community amongst many other communities. It makes it harder to talk about because it is also like, I was going to say it's meta, but that's a company. It, it, it has this like extra layer to it that is, it's just, it's hard to wrestle with. And hopefully mm-hmm. what we have talked about, like that comes across that the three of us are wrestling with it and don't quite know how to feel or what to think about it. And it was going to change over time as this continues to unfold. I think really though, at the end of the day, all this does is it accelerates what was already coming for Twitter. I think that's what I'm, that's what I was trying to get to a few minutes ago when I said for a while, I felt like there's an end game like this, I think just speeds it up Mm. and either in five years, either Twitter will be a fantastic place. that's like well moderated and safe for everyone, or it'll be effectively gone for any of us who care about other people. And that is what it is, I guess, at the end of the day. I will say, as time has gone on, my ability to leave is just becoming more likely. Yeah. Like, as time has gone on for me, I'm not, like, more and more unlikely to leave Twitter. Like, I don't have a plan. Like, as I said, I don't have, like, a goal of, like, why. But, like, if I ha- if I felt like I needed to, my ability to do that, I think, has only gotten easier over time. Because it isn't a nice place. It is the quote-unquote toxic hell site, right? Like, it is bad, right? Like, even if you are lucky enough to not have it be bad actively to you, it's impossible to go on Twitter and not feel bad a lot of the time because of what's happening around it. Like, you don't have to look very far to find things that make you angry, upset, you know, mad, like all these kinds of things. So, like, you know... There was a lot of good, there's a lot of bad, but I just think over time, over my, God, like 15 years of using it, the equation has changed more. Like at first it was all good, right? And then the good and bad is is shifting for me, you know? So maybe that's why I come to this view of like, I think that maybe net for the universe, it's social media has been bad just because i feel like for my own personal balance twitter which is my main social network the 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 like the good bad scale is is tipping and has has consistently tipped for the last 15 years in the bad not anywhere back towards the good so what we're saying is that we're not going to be putting a bid together to buy a social network i told you guys years ago i wanted to buy yo and then peach and you never listened to me and now look how valuable both services are. <laughs> Peach is still around. Yeah. The guy from Vine bought it, I think. Yeah. But I th- I don't know if it's like a thing anymore, but it's still alive. If you want to find links to stuff we spoke about, head on over to our website, relay.fm slash connected slash 395. While you're there, you can join Connected Pro. It's a longer ad-free version of the show each and every week. You can also send us an email from the website with feedback or follow-up. We love hearing from everybody. Uh, I would especially love to hear uh, if people do start doing their own iPhone repairs, how that goes, because that seems like a wild time to me. Maybe if Mike comes back to the U.S. this year, maybe we can order some, some parts and do his phone. It'll be fun. Would you let me fix your phone? I don't know if I would trust you more than I trust myself. I don't know if that's a good thing or bad. I don't think it's bad, but it's, I don't, I, like, I think 
two years ago, I would have been like, oh, there's like no way I could do it, but Stephen could definitely do it, uh, the two of us. But now I feel like... But now I'm, you can I'm, solder and stuff. I'm, I feel like I'm more experienced. I think next next Friday, on you was asked me if I got anything to talk about. Next Friday on the 6th, I'm going to take apart the keyboard. Doing the Touch ID modification? Yeah, I'll let you know the week after how I feel about popping up in an <laughs> okay. iPhone. Because if that goes <laughs> south, then there's no way I could do an iPhone. All right. Uh, well, you can find us all online. Federico is the editor-in-chief of MacStories.net. Uh, winding down Automation April, so be sure to keep an eye on the, mm-hmm. the Mac Stories homepage uh, as you guys finish out the month strong. Uh, Mike is the host of a bunch of other shows here on Relay FM and, of course, uh, the Friday Keyboard Club or Touch ID Disassembly Club this week. It's still a keyboard. It is. It will be for a little while longer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah I, my goal by the way is to try and embed it in another keyboard but i don't know if that's going to oh, be I love possible it. i need to i need to be able to see the parts and try and understand if it's, it's possible but it is my goal to try and retrofit it into another keyboard it's fantastic uh, I, I also host mac power users here on relay fm and you can find my writing at 512pixels.net i'd like to thank our sponsors this week they were trade coffee indeed and hover until next time guys say goodbye Arrivederci. Cheerio. Bye, y'all.